Welcome to HackerCast, an AI-generated podcast summary of Hacker News. I'm your host, GPT-4. Today is May 26, 2023. Let's get started. Part 1, Favorites. 1. Memory Allocation from Samhu.dev The article Memory Allocation by Samhu, published on his personal website, provides a comprehensive guide on memory allocation in computer programming. It explains that all computer programs require memory to function and introduces the concept of memory allocation. The article discusses the functions malloc and free, which are used by programs to request and return memory, and provides a simple C code example. It explains the concept of a byte, the smallest unit of memory, and the concept of a pointer or a memory address. The article also discusses the simplest malloc implementation and the concept of fragmentation. It presents a quick malloc puzzle and discusses the concept of boundary tag allocators. The article also discusses potential issues with this system and mentions the rise in popularity of memory-safe languages like Rust. It concludes by inviting readers to try writing their own allocators and encourages further exploration of memory allocators on the internet. 2. Don Knuth plays with ChatGPT from cs.stanford.edu. The summaries discuss the capabilities of AI language models, specifically GPT-4, as tested by various individuals. In the first summary, a conversation between Donald Knuth and Stephen Wolfram is detailed, where Knuth poses 20 questions to the AI model, ranging from specific conversations to mathematical queries and creative writing. The AI demonstrated a wide range of capabilities, providing factual information, analysis, creative writing, and mathematical explanations. However, Knuth's intention was to observe the form of the AI's answers rather than the answers themselves. The second summary details an unnamed author's analysis of GPT-4's responses to a series of questions on diverse topics. The AI's responses varied in accuracy and coherence, impressing the author with detailed recipes and explanations of algorithms, but also providing fabricated or incorrect information on historical facts and literary analysis. The third summary discusses an article by an author named Don, who discusses the concept of superintelligent machines and their interaction with humans. The author also includes an exchange with a person named Stephen about programming, where GPT-4 provides a solution to a coding problem, impressing the author with its understanding and capabilities. 3. Same Stop, Life After 26 Years as a Programmer for Apple from EngineersNeedArt.com Penned by a retired Apple programmer, this blog post on Engineers Need Art, titled Same Stop, is a reflective piece on the author's journey back to programming post-retirement. The author, who spent 26 years at Apple, initially felt relief at the prospect of never having to debug code again. However, four months into retirement, he found himself back at it, starting a small project to learn Python and experiment with e-ink displays. The author's relationship with programming began as a hobby, writing shareware games for fun before it became his profession. He questions whether this passion for programming is more than just a job still exists among younger engineers. After dabbling in JavaScript and Python, he found himself drawn back to his old nemesis, C, and the desire to rewrite some of the shareware games he created over three decades ago. The author's return to programming has been so consuming that it's begun to exclude other hobbies from his life. He likens his current state to his early days of writing shareware games for Macintosh, coding late into the night and resuming after breakfast. He muses whether he has a programming addiction and expresses surprise at having come full circle in his journey with programming. In his analysis, the author doesn't shy away from the nostalgia of his early days, but he also acknowledges the conveniences of modern programming, like combing through Stack Overflow for solutions. He ends the post with a link to one of his rewritten games, Glyph of Vintage, on Steam. This blog post is a testament to the enduring allure of programming for those who view it as more than just a job.
It's a reminder that passion can persist beyond professional obligations and that the joy of creation can be a powerful motivator, even in retirement. 4. The Long Road to Recover Frogger 2 Source from Tape Drives from GitHub.com The article intro.md on GitHub by user Kneesnap details the author's journey to recover data from an on-stream tape containing the final game source code and assets for Frogger 2, Swampy's Revenge. The author faced challenges in finding a compatible tape drive, as on-stream ceased operations in 2003. After purchasing a broken SC50 tape drive and an incompatible ADR50E drive, the author sent the tape to a professional data recovery company, which ended up damaging the tape further. The author eventually realized that an SC50 drive was needed and managed to locate a working one. However, the data recovered was not in a usable format, so the author wrote a program to convert the data into a zip file. After overcoming numerous obstacles, the author successfully recovered 58,149 out of the 58,164 files on the tape. The author hopes the shared information might assist others facing similar challenges. 5. Migrating from Supabase from blog.val.town The article Migrating from Supabase on the Valtown blog details the reasons behind Valtown's decision to switch from Supabase to a simpler database set up at Render. Valtown, a site for writing, running, Deploying, and sharing server-side JavaScript, initially used Supabase, a backend as a service platform. However, they faced several issues such as difficulties with local development, incomplete documentation, and nightly downtime due to database backups. They also encountered problems with database management and compatibility issues with typical Postgres tools. The team decided to switch to a Postgres service at Render, which allowed them to run the database locally, test migrations before applying them in production and simplify their database usage. The migration process took a week due to the large size of their database. The author concludes that since the switch, Valtown has been able to ship faster and run smoothly with a simple Postgres setup on render. 6. I block ads from Corid.dev. Corey Dransfeld, a software developer based in California, has penned a blog post titled I Block Ads where he outlines his extensive measures to block online advertisements, tracking beacons, and other intrusive elements. Dransfeldt's approach is comprehensive, blocking ads at both the browser and DNS level, stripping UTM campaign tags, blocking analytics, metrics, reporting, and diagnostic logging, and even filtering sponsored content out of the RSS feeds he follows. He also opts out of allowing apps to track him, blocks email pixel trackers, and pays a company to manage data brokers. Dransfeldt's post is a manifesto of sorts, a call to arms for internet users to take control of their online experience. He ends his post with a quote from the Minutemen's 1984 song Shit from an old notebook that criticizes commercial psychology and advocates for products to sell themselves. He also provides a link to a list of ad-blocking resources on GitHub, encouraging readers to contribute their own. Dransfeldt's post is a reflection of a growing sentiment among internet users who are increasingly concerned about privacy and the intrusive nature of online advertising. His comprehensive approach to ad-blocking is a testament to the lengths some are willing to go to protect their online privacy. This post serves as a resource for those looking to take similar measures and contributes to the broader conversation about online privacy and the ethics of online advertising. 7. Polar Night from BRR.FYI Polar Night is a blog post on the website BRR.FYI, written by an anonymous author who is currently stationed at the South Pole. The post provides a vivid account of the surreal and otherworldly experience of the Polar Night, a period of darkness that lasts for several weeks in the polar regions. The author begins by describing the transition from daylight to darkness, with the sun descending below the horizon and the sky alive with vibrant colors. As the lingering light fades, 
the South Pole enters a period of darkness, which is only interrupted by the red lights on buildings. These lights are necessary to avoid interfering with sensitive scientific experiments that can only be conducted during the polar winter due to the unique environmental characteristics of the South Pole. The author also discusses the use of a LIDAR sensor, a device that emits a visible laser beam into the sky, contributing to the otherworldly atmosphere of the place. The post includes several photos of the red-tinted landscape, which the author compares to scenes from a horror movie. The author also mentions the Aurora Australis, a natural light display in the Earth's southern hemisphere. Despite the limitations of their cell phone camera, the author manages to capture some images of this phenomenon, with the help of colleagues who have high-quality camera equipment. The post concludes with a discussion of the lunar cycles that occur during the polar night, providing some light in the otherwise dark landscape. The author also mentions the extreme isolation of the South Pole during the winter months, with no flights in or out from mid-February until mid-October. The significance of this post lies in its first-hand account of life in one of the most extreme environments on Earth. It provides a unique perspective on the challenges and rewards of conducting scientific research in the South Pole, and the surreal beauty of the polar night. The author's vivid descriptions and stunning photographs offer a glimpse into a world that few people will ever experience. 8. SR-71 Blackbird Speed Check Story from Thesar71Blackbird.com The article SR-71 Blackbird Speed Check Story on www.thesar71blackbird.com, written by Major Brian Schul, USAF retired, recounts a personal anecdote about flying the SR-71 Blackbird, a high-speed, high-altitude strategic reconnaissance aircraft. The story involves a humorous incident where Schul and his co-pilot, Walt, confirm their aircraft's superior speed to other pilots via radio communication. The website also hosts various links and resources related to the SR-71 Blackbird, including stories about specific incidents, an audio recording of a flyby, and the origin of the aircraft's name. The website provides contact information, quick links to various sections, and asserts copyright over its content. 9. New Playground Memory Spy from JVNS.ca Julia Evans, a well-known programmer and writer, has launched a new tool called Memory Spy. This tool allows users to run C programs and observe how their variables are represented in memory. The tool is designed to be user-friendly, even for those who are not familiar with C programming language. Memory Spy is a companion to the How Integers and Floats Work zine that Evans has been working on. The primary goal of the tool is to demonstrate how number types, specifically integers and floats, are represented in memory. Evans explains that understanding how computers represent variables can seem abstract, and she wanted to make it easier for people to see how a real computer represents variables in memory. The tool uses C because it's the most straightforward language to map between the code in a program and what's in the computer's memory. However, Evans assures that even if you're not comfortable with C, the playground is still for you. The tool comes with a bunch of simple example programs that you can run and look at each variable's value. Behind the scenes, a server compiles the program with Clang, runs the program with the C debugger LLDB, using a Python LLDB script, and returns a JSON file with the values of the variable on every line, as an array of bytes. The front-end then formats the array of bytes so you can look at it. The tool does have some limitations, such as no support for loops and only supporting one variable per line. However, Evans notes that it's a very simple project and these limitations are part of its simplicity. In terms of security, programs are terminated after one second of runtime, they run in a container with no network access, and the machine they're running on has no sensitive data on it and a very small CPU. The backend of the tool is in Go, plus a Python script to script the interactions with LLDB. The front-end uses Vue, 
And the main fancy thing that happens on the front end is that it uses tree sitter to figure out which lines of the code have variables defined on them. In conclusion, Memory Spy is a simple, user-friendly tool that allows users to run C programs and see how their variables are represented in memory. It's a great resource for those interested in understanding more about how computers represent variables. In terms of significance, this tool is a valuable resource for anyone interested in understanding the inner workings of computer memory and how variables are represented. It's a practical, hands-on way. Part 2, Show HN. 1. Nixt, the hacker's browser from nixt.atlas.engineer. The website in focus is the official page for the Nixt browser, a tool designed with the hacker's mindset. The Nixt browser is a feature-rich, fully customizable and extensible web browser that allows users to navigate and extract information from the internet efficiently. The Nixt browser offers a plethora of features that enhance the user's browsing experience. One of these is the ability to navigate large documents with ease using fuzzy search through headings. This feature allows users to type in any characters that appear in a heading, and the browser jumps to that position in the document. Another notable feature is the ability to execute commands easily. Users can fuzzy search relevant commands to instantly run them, eliminating the need to dig through menus. The browser also allows users to switch between buffers instantly using fuzzy search, thus eliminating the need for hunting through tabs. The Nixt browser also offers powerful link hinting, allowing users to quickly jump around by URL, title, or shortcut. It also has built-in programmability, allowing users to run short scripts and try out new workflows. Everything in Nixt is fully extensible and modifiable. Other features include smart bookmark search, customizable autofills, clipboard history, and lossless tree history. The latter ensures that users never lose track of where they've been, storing all visited pages in a tree that can be traversed and searched. The significance of the Nixt browser lies in its ability to provide a highly customizable and efficient browsing experience. Its features are designed to enhance productivity and ease of use, making it a valuable tool for those who spend a significant amount of time on the internet, particularly those in the tech and hacking community. 2. YouTube Full Text Search, Search All of a Channel from the Command Line from GitHub.com the article discusses a GitHub repository named it FTS, YouTube Full Text Search by Not Joe Martinez. The repository contains a command line program that uses DLP to scrape subtitles from a YouTube channel and load them into an SQLite database, allowing users to search for specific keywords or phrases. The repository has been starred 1.3k times and forked 42 times. It includes a README file with detailed instructions on how to install and use the program. The program requires EDLP to be installed globally and can be installed via PIP or from the source. The repository also includes a guide on how to use the EDLP tool, providing a comprehensive list of commands and options. The tool is developed by Joe Martinez and three other contributors, written in Python, 91.8%, and Shell, 8.2%, and licensed under the unlicensed license. 3. Linux tool to show progress for CP, MV, DD from GitHub.com. The article discusses a Linux tool called Progress, previously known as CV, which is used to monitor the progress of CurryUtils commands such as CP, MV, DD, TAR, ZIP slash GunZip, CAT, etc. The tool, hosted on GitHub by Zfenek, displays the percentage of copied data and can also show estimated time and throughput. It is compatible with Linux, FreeBSD, and Mac OS systems and is licensed under the GPL 3.0 license. The article provides instructions on how to install progress on various systems and how to build it from source. It also provides examples of how the tool can be used to monitor various activities. The tool has received significant recognition from the GitHub community, 
with over 7.8K stars and 314 forks. 4. Canboard, free and open-source Kanban project management software from Canboard.org. Canboard is a free and open-source project management software that utilizes the Kanban methodology. The software is designed to visualize work, limit work in progress, and manage tasks through a simple drag-and-drop interface. It is self-hosted and boasts a straightforward installation process. The software's features are intentionally limited to maintain simplicity and minimalism. The Kanban board provides a clear, visual overview of tasks, allowing users to easily understand the current status of a project. Tasks can be added, renamed, and removed to adapt the board to specific project needs. To enhance efficiency, Kanboard encourages users to limit their work in progress and avoid multitasking. Kanboard also includes a simple query language for quick task searches and custom filters. Tasks can be broken down into subtasks, estimated for time or complexity, and described using markdown syntax. Users can add comments, documents, change task color, category, assignee, and due date. Tasks can be moved or duplicated across projects with a single click. The software also supports automated actions to streamline workflow and reduce manual repetition. It is translated into over 30 languages and can be connected to LDAP slash Active Directory servers or any OAuth 2 provider. Canboard is developed primarily by Frederic Yeo, with contributions from over 267 individuals. It operates under the permissive MIT license. In terms of significance, Canboard offers a minimalist, user-friendly solution for project management. Its focus on simplicity and visual task management makes it an accessible tool for teams of all sizes. The open-source nature of the software also allows for customization and adaptation to specific project needs. 5. Open-sourcing Harmonic, my Android hacker news client from github.com. The article discusses Harmonic HN, an open-source Android client for hacker news developed by Simon Habdonson. The client is hosted on GitHub and developers are encouraged to contribute to its development. The project has received 321 stars and 20 forks, and is licensed under the Apache 2.0 license. The client aims to be modern, fast, and well thought out, and is available for download on Google Play. It offers basic account functionality, a dark theme, keyword filtering for stories, and the ability to hide-click stories. The application was developed with contributions from 10 individuals, primarily using Java. The text is hosted on GitHub, which holds the copyright until 2023. Part 3, Code. 1. Writing Python like it's Rust from Cobsall.github.io. The article Writing Python like it's Rust on Cobsall's blog shares the author's experience of applying Rust programming principles to Python. The author explains how the strictness of Rust type system influenced their Python coding style, leading them to use type hints and make illegal states unrepresentable. The author also discusses the use of data classes, algebraic data types, and the PySert library for automatic, deserialization in Python. The article further explores the use of new types, construction functions, encoding invariants using types, and safer mutexes in Python. The author concludes by discussing the use of the context manager interface in Python, providing an example of a safer mutex class. The author encourages readers to share their own examples of soundness patterns in Python code. 2. Comprehensive Rust, course used by the Android team from github.com. The article discusses a comprehensive Rust programming course used by Google's Android team, which is publicly available on GitHub. The course, designed for both beginners and experienced programmers, covers all aspects of Rust, including advanced topics and specific areas like Android, bare metal, and concurrency. It is primarily used to teach Rust to Google's software engineers, 
who typically have a background in C++, or Java. The course is less useful for self-learners as it is designed for a classroom setting. The GitHub repository for the course includes various resources and has received significant attention, with over 18.4k stars and 999 forks. The course is built using several tools and the article provides detailed instructions on how to use the course. The course has 171 contributors and is written in several languages, with Rust making up 64.1% of the code. 3. HTMX from htmx.org The website in focus is htmx.org, a platform that provides high-power tools for HTML. The site is dedicated to HTMX, a small, extendable, and dependency-free tool that allows developers to access AJAX, CSS transitions, WebSockets, and server-sent events directly in HTML using attributes. This tool is designed to simplify the process of building modern user interfaces with the power of hypertext. The HTMX tool challenges the conventional constraints of HTML. It questions why only a and form should be able to make HTTP requests, why only click and submit events should trigger them, why only get and post methods should be available, and why developers should only be able to replace the entire screen. By removing these constraints, HTMX aims to complete HTML as a hypertext. The website provides a quick start guide for using HTMX, demonstrating how to have a button post a click via AJAX. It also mentions that HTMX is the successor to intercooler.js, and encourages users to read the documentation for a more in-depth introduction. In a significant announcement, HTMX has been accepted into the first class of the GitHub Open Source Accelerator. This is a testament to the tool's potential and its growing recognition in the developer community. The significance of HTMX lies in its potential to revolutionize the way developers interact with HTML. By challenging the traditional constraints of HTML and providing a tool that simplifies the process of building modern user interfaces, HTMX is positioning itself as a game-changer in the field of web development. Its acceptance into the GitHub Open Source Accelerator further underscores its potential and the growing interest in its capabilities. 4. Space Badgers, Free and Libre SVG Badges from Badgers.Space The website in focus is Space Badgers, an open-source project developed by Marco Quinton. The site offers a service for creating fast and clean SVG badges for developers and project maintainers to display key information about their projects, such as build status, version, and download counts. Space Badgers is powered by a Rust-based core library and a Cloudflare worker, ensuring excellent performance and speedy delivery of badges. The badges are served in a minified and compressed form for optimal delivery. The site also supports integration with third-party services through its Next.js-based API routes running on Versal Edge infrastructure. The site offers a variety of customization options for the badges, including color, label, scale, theme, icon, and cache duration. It also supports hex annotation for custom colors and offers over 900 icons. The badges can be integrated with various services like GitHub, Crates.io, NPM, and PyPy, providing information like latest release, issues, checks, contributors, license, name, version, and more. In essence, Space Badgers is a tool for developers to create high-quality, scalable SVG badges that are easy to integrate and deliver excellent performance. It stands out from traditional image-based badges with its focus on SVGs and its commitment to speed and style. The significance of Space Badgers lies in its ability to provide a seamless, efficient badge generation process for developers. It simplifies the task of displaying key project information, making it a valuable tool in the developer's toolkit. Part 4. Data. 1. Private GPT from GitHub.com. 
The article discusses a GitHub repository named Private created by a user Martinez. The repository, which has gained significant attention, allows users to interact privately with their documents using generative pre-trained transformers, GPT, ensuring complete privacy and no data leaks. The tool is built with LangChain and GPT for all and provides various options for user interaction. It also includes a detailed README file with setup instructions and system requirements. The repository includes various files and directories, each with a commit message and time. Users can clone the repository, open it with GitHub Desktop, or download it as a zip file. The project uses tools like Llama CPP, Chroma, and Sentence Transformers and requires Python 3.10 or later and a C++ compiler. It is a test project aimed at validating the feasibility of a fully private solution for question answering using LLMs and vector embeddings. 2. DBGPT, an LLM tool for database from github.com. The article discusses the DBGPT project, an open-source initiative hosted on GitHub that aims to revolutionize database interactions using private LLM technology. The project has gained significant attention, with 5.4k stars and 778 forks, and is licensed under the MIT license. The latest updates include the provision of knowledge underscore embedding and similar underscore search in the embedding engine, multi-source embedding, and a fix for a Chroma exit bug. The project offers features such as SQL language capabilities, private domain Q&A, data processing, and support for various document formats. It also provides a large model operating environment based on fast chat and supports multiple large language models. The project's architecture includes a knowledge base capability, a connection module, and agent and plugin mechanisms. The project acknowledges contributions from other projects such as fast chat, Vicuna 13B, Langchain Toolchain, AutoGPT, Hugging Face, Chroma, and Milvis. 3. PostgreSQL 16 Beta 1 from PostgreSQL.org The PostgreSQL Global Development Group has announced the first beta release of PostgreSQL 16, an open-source relational database. This release previews all features that will be available in the final version, though some details may change during the beta period. PostgreSQL 16 brings several enhancements in performance, logical replication, developer experience, security, monitoring, and management. For instance, it includes improvements in query execution, such as more query parallelism and several optimizations for window queries. It also introduces support for CPU acceleration using SIM for both x86 and ARM architectures. In terms of logical replication, PostgreSQL 16 adds the ability to perform logical decoding on a standby instance, providing users with more options to distribute their workload. It also includes several performance improvements to logical replication. For developers, PostgreSQL 16 continues to implement the SQL-JSON standard for manipulating JSON data and adds support for the extended query protocol to the PSQL client. Security-wise, PostgreSQL 16 introduces new predefined roles that allow users to grant privileged access to features without requiring superuser. It also adds support for Kerberos credential delegation and several new security-oriented connection parameters for clients. In terms of monitoring and management, PostgreSQL 16 adds several new features, including the new PG underscore stat underscore IO view that provides information on IO statistics. It also includes improvements to the page freezing strategy and general support for text collations. The PostgreSQL Global Development Group encourages users to test the new features on their systems to help eliminate bugs or other issues. Feedback from this testing will help ensure that the PostgreSQL 16 release upholds the standards of delivering a stable, reliable release of the world's most advanced open-source relational database. The significance of this release lies in its potential to enhance the performance, security, 
and user experience of PostgreSQL, making it an even more robust and versatile tool for managing and manipulating data. 4. Is 20M of rows still a valid soft limit of MySQL table in 2023? From yishengong.com. The article is 20M of rows still a valid soft limit of MySQL table in 2023? By Yisheng Gong, published on his blog, explores the validity of the belief that having more than 20 million rows in a MySQL table can lead to performance degradation. The author tests this theory using MySQL version 8.0.25 on an AWS DB.R5.large instance with general-purpose SSD storage, creating tables of varying sizes and running SQL queries to test performance. The results show that the anodb underscore buffer underscore pool size, table size determines performance, and the author suggests that a more meaningful metric is query runtime, buffer pool hit rate. The author concludes that 20M rows is not a quite valid soft limit of MySQL table especially considering SSD technology. The blog post has been widely read and discussed in the tech community, with several other websites linking to it. The blog, active since 2020, covers a wide range of topics and has over 31,145 hits and 556 followers. Part 5. Design. 1. The brand new Thunderbird logo from blog.thunderbird.net. The article introducing the brand new Thunderbird logo announces the unveiling of a redesigned Thunderbird logo after nearly 20 years. The new logo, designed by John Hicks, is a circular app icon resembling a blue bird protecting a white envelope. The logo will be integrated with Thunderbird 115, codenamed Supernova, in the summer of 2023. The article also reveals plans for an iOS version of Thunderbird. User comments on the new logo are generally positive, with some criticism about the bird's angry appearance and the white background for the Android version. The Thunderbird team is responsive to feedback and assures users that changes are being made to address their concerns. The comments also reveal that John Hicks is working on a slight change to the logo to make it appear less aggressive. 2. Don't open the details in a modal window, have it be a separate page from you don't need a modal window.dev. Penned by Dennis Aksimzek, the web page you don't need a modal window is a critique of the overuse of modal windows in web design. Aksimzek argues that modal windows, while seemingly convenient, often create more problems than they solve. Aksimzek begins by illustrating a common scenario, a web app with a master-slash-detail setup where clicking on an item brings up its details. Instead of using a modal window for these details, he suggests creating a separate page. He then lists several reasons why modal windows can be problematic. Firstly, modal windows can't be bookmarked or shared as links. While deep linking can be added to modals, it's a complex process that can lead to confusion about what will appear in the background when the link is followed. Secondly, modal windows can't be opened in a new tab without duplicating the underlying page. Thirdly, they make the back button confusing, as it's unclear whether it will close the modal or return to the previous page. Lastly, modal windows are challenging to implement correctly, especially when it comes to accessibility. Aksimzek also highlights some inappropriate reasons for using modal dialogues, such as compensating for slow page load, because they seem easy to implement, or because they looked good in the mock-up. He concludes by suggesting that modal windows should be reserved for views that don't constitute a resource or correspond to a domain entity, such as alerts, confirmation dialogues, or forms for creating-slash-updating entities. In essence, Aksimzek's argument is a call for more thoughtful web design. He urges developers to consider whether a modal window is truly the best choice for their application, or if it's being used as a quick fix for deeper issues. This critique is significant as it challenges a common practice in web design, encouraging developers to prioritize user experience and accessibility over convenience or aesthetics. 3. 
Ditherpunk, the article I wish I had about monochrome image dithering from Surma.dev. The article Ditherpunk, the article I wish I had about monochrome image dithering by Surma explores the concept of dithering, a technique used in computer graphics to create the illusion of color depth in images with a limited color palette. The author discusses the conversion between sRGB and linear RGB color space, the use of random noise to randomize quantization error, and the concept of order dithering. The author also introduces Bayer dithering, which uses a Bayer matrix as the threshold map, and discusses its drawbacks along with white noise dithering. To address these issues, the author introduces blue noise dithering and error diffusion. The article also discusses different dithering algorithms, including the Atkinson diffusion matrix and the Remersma dither, and their use in the 3D game, Aubra Din. The author concludes by acknowledging the contributions of various individuals to the field of image dithering. Part 6. Books. 1. Everything You Always Wanted to Know About Mathematics, 2013, PDF, from math.cmu.edu. The provided text appears to be a raw data dump from a PDF file, specifically from a URL. It includes a series of object streams, which are a way of storing objects in a PDF file. However, the text is corrupted or encoded in a format that is not readable, containing a series of special characters, symbols, and numbers that do not form coherent sentences or paragraphs. As such, it is impossible to extract any meaningful information or content for summarization. It is recommended to check the source of the text to ensure it is correctly copied or formatted. 2. Beej's Guide to Network Programming from Beej.us Beej's Guide to Network Programming is a comprehensive guide written by an author known as Beej. The guide is designed to help those with some knowledge of C or C++ dive into the world of network programming using internet sockets, a concept that can be daunting for many due to the complexity of the API. The guide is presented in a friendly, approachable manner, aiming to make the transition into network programming as smooth as possible. It covers a wide range of topics, from the basics of sockets programming to more advanced concepts. The guide is available in various formats including HTML and PDF and it also provides examples for readers to download and build. In addition to the main guide, Beach has also provided a list of mirrors and translations of the guide in various languages, making it accessible to a global audience. For those interested in contributing to the guide, Beach has made the entire guide available on GitHub, allowing others to clone and modify it as needed. The significance of this guide lies in its ability to demystify a complex topic and make it accessible to a wider audience. Network programming is a crucial skill in today's digital world, and guides like this one play a key role in fostering a deeper understanding of the subject. 3. Writing summaries is more important than reading more books from andressfrenner.com. The article, Writing Summaries is More Important Than Reading More Books, is penned by Andreas Fragner. He argues that the value of reading lies not in the quantity of books consumed, but in the comprehension and application of their insights. Fragner posits that the act of writing summaries for books read is a more effective use of time than simply reading more books. He suggests that the return on investment for spending two hours writing a summary is higher than using those two hours to read another book. The key, according to Fragner, is to optimize for comprehension, not volume. To maximize comprehension, Fragner recommends asking questions while reading and attempting to answer them. This process naturally leads to the creation of a summary. He provides a template for writing summaries, which includes identifying the book's central theme, the key questions it tries to answer, summarizing the answers, and noting personal learnings. Fragner also shares his approach to selecting books. He uses a combination of topical reading, where he selects four to five topics of interest each quarter and identifies key works on these topics, and inspectional reading, a systematic skimming or pre-reading of the book to determine its relevance and usefulness.
He also suggests discussing the books and ideas with others as an alternative to writing summaries. This method forces the reader to articulate the ideas in their own words and allows for critical examination of the ideas through discussion. In essence, Fragner's article is a call to shift focus from the quantity of reading to the quality of understanding and application of the knowledge gained. The significance of this article lies in its challenge to the common notion that reading more equates to learning more. Fragner's approach emphasizes the importance of active engagement with the material, through questioning, summarizing, and discussing, as a more effective method for comprehension and learning. This perspective could be particularly valuable for those seeking to optimize their reading habits for maximum intellectual growth. 4. Archive of Medieval Books and Manuscripts Discovered in Romanian Church from Medievalist.net The article, published on Medievalist.net, reports on the discovery of a forgotten archive of over 200 medieval books and manuscripts in a church in Medias, Romania. The research team, led by Adinal C. Dinka of Babes Boya University, found the cache in the Ropemaker's Tower of St. Margaret's Church. The find includes 139 printed books dating to between 1470 and 1600, two manuscripts from the early 16th century, and about 60 more charters and other documents dating to between the 14th and 16th centuries. They also found several manuscript fragments, the earliest of which may date back to as early as the 9th century. The collection of books seems to have been left in the church's tower for at least decades, possibly to protect them during the world wars. However, Professor Dinka believes they may have been placed here much earlier, as the disposition of the volume suggests a certain historical typology. The books were part of the church patrimony and were mostly kept for their intrinsic value. The research team is now working to better understand the collection and help with its preservation. They hope that it can be kept in a local library with digitization to give it wider access. Professor Dinka believes that this discovery will allow historians to better reconstruct the literacy and the intellectual life of the Transylvanian Saxons as well as the local medieval manuscript tradition. This discovery is significant as it provides a rare glimpse into the intellectual life and literacy of the Transylvanian Saxons during the Middle Ages. The preservation and digitization of these materials will not only safeguard this historical treasure but also make it accessible to a wider audience, thereby enriching our understanding of medieval history. Part 7. Working. 1. Modern work requires attention, constant alerts steal it from stackoverflow.blog. The article by Ryan Donovan on the Stack Overflow blog discusses the impact of constant alerts and notifications on productivity and attention in the modern workspace. Donovan argues that attention is a team's most valuable resource and highlights the challenges of maintaining focus due to constant demands from various sources. He cites research that found office workers switch tasks or get interrupted every three minutes on average, costing individuals up to six hours every day. The article suggests strategies to regain control over attention, such as timeboxing, setting working hours for notifications, and reducing the number of notifications. The article concludes by emphasizing the need for organizations to rethink their collaboration and knowledge-sharing strategies to reduce interruptions. The text also includes a collection of blog posts and comments from the Stack Overflow blog discussing productivity and distractions. The posts explore topics like fostering a culture of knowledge-sharing and the negative impact of meetings on productivity. The comment section features various perspectives on the topic, with users sharing their experiences and strategies to manage distractions. Another text is a commentary on the concept of multitasking, likening it to the functioning of a modern computer. The author argues that the more time spent on switching tasks, the less time is actually spent on working, which can lead to a state of constant fidgeting and potentially cause nervous breakdowns. The website, Stack Overflow, is a popular platform for programmers offering various products and channels, including a blog, podcast, newsletter, and social media platforms. 2. 
Apple restricts employee use of ChatGPT, joining other companies wary of leaks from WSJ.com. The provided text is a comprehensive list of sections, subsections, authors, and features available on the Wall Street Journal's website. The sections cover a wide range of topics from world news, U.S. news, politics, economy, business, to lifestyle topics. The website also offers various podcasts, videos, and other multimedia content related to these sections. It also includes Wall Street Journal puzzles, an arts calendar, and a section for Wall Street Journal Pro. The text also lists several authors, presumably columnists or contributors to the Wall Street Journal. The page also includes links to popular articles, videos, and podcasts, different language editions of the Wall Street Journal, and subscription options. However, the original content could not be retrieved as the title of the page is page not found. 3. Almost 200k job cuts in tech pushes new grads to Wall Street from Bloomberg.com. The article in question, published on Bloomberg, is titled How to Get a Job in 2023, Young Workers I Finance with Tech Struggling. The piece explores the shifting job market trends, particularly among young professionals, who are increasingly looking towards finance as the tech industry grapples with challenges. The article begins by highlighting the changing dynamics of the job market in 2023. It notes that the once-dominant tech industry is facing a downturn, leading to a decrease in job opportunities. This has prompted young professionals to pivot towards the finance sector, which is experiencing a resurgence. The author provides several examples of this trend, including the story of a recent college graduate who switched her career focus from tech to finance after witnessing the instability in the tech sector. The article also delves into the reasons behind the shift. It cites factors such as the increasing regulation of tech companies, the saturation of the market, and the growing appeal of finance roles due to higher salaries and job security. The author also points out that the finance sector has been quick to adapt to the changing landscape by incorporating more technology into its operations, making it an attractive option for tech-savvy young professionals. In terms of significance, this article underscores a pivotal shift in the job market dynamics. It suggests that the tech industry's reign as the go-to sector for young professionals may be waning, with finance emerging as a strong contender. This shift could have far-reaching implications for both industries, potentially leading to a talent drain in tech and a talent influx in finance. It also highlights the importance of adaptability in the face of market changes, as demonstrated by the finance sector's successful integration of technology into its operations. Part 8. Learn. 1. Simple exercise to eliminate gastroesophageal reflux from ncb.nlm.nih.gov. The link in question leads to a page on the National Center for Biotechnology Information's NCBI, website, specifically to PubMed Central, PMC, a free archive of biomedical and life sciences journal literature. However, the page is not available due to an automated process attempting to retrieve content, which is in violation of the terms of the PMC copyright notice. The user agent responsible for this automated retrieval is identified as Python request 2.31.0. The NCBI has blocked access to the page, citing the need to comply with copyright terms. The message also provides a method for requesting the unblocking of the IP address involved, which requires sending an email to PMC with all the information provided in the error message. In essence, the content of this page is not an article or a post, but an error message indicating a violation of the terms of use of the PMC archive. The significance of this lies in the reminder of the importance of respecting copyright terms, even in the context of automated data retrieval. It also highlights the measures in place to prevent such violations and the steps required to rectify the situation if one's IP address has been blocked. 2. The Open Buddhist University from BuddhistUniversity.net 
The Open Buddhist University, a project spearheaded by Camarado Bhikkhu, is a digital platform dedicated to providing free, online courses and bibliographies in Buddhist studies. The website offers a comprehensive foundation in Buddhist studies, with rigorous, self-directed syllabi guiding learners step-by-step through a variety of subject areas. The university's library boasts a vast catalog of free content, making it a valuable resource for anyone interested in Buddhism. The content is completely free and open source, allowing users to take the world of Buddhism with them wherever they go. The Open Buddhist University is not just a repository of information, but a digital learning space designed for the modern, digital generation. It's a place where learners can immerse themselves in Buddhist studies, regardless of their location or financial situation. The significance of this platform lies in its democratization of Buddhist education. By providing free, comprehensive, and accessible resources, the Open Buddhist University is breaking down barriers to knowledge and fostering a global community of learners. It's a testament to the power of digital technology in facilitating learning and promoting cultural understanding. 3. Hypersonic missiles are misunderstood from Medium.com. The article by Tori Bruno, CEO of United Launch Alliance, published on Medium, discusses the misconceptions and challenges surrounding hypersonic missiles. Bruno explains that these missiles are not new and have been around since the 1950s. The real threat of these missiles is not their speed, but their ability to maneuver, making them difficult to intercept. He suggests that directed energy, duh, technology, such as lasers, could be a potential solution to this threat. Lasers are faster than hypersonic speeds and once a line of sight is established, it is impossible to outrun them. Bruno also suggests placing these lasers in strategic locations, including space, to deter potential attacks. The text also includes previews of other articles on Medium, discussing topics ranging from quantum computers to Tesla's key technologies. Part 9, Startup News 1. Meta fined $1.3 billion over data transfers to US from WSJ.com. The text provided is a comprehensive list of sections, subsections, authors, and resources available on the Wall Street Journal's website. The website covers a wide range of topics including world news, U.S. news, politics, economy, business, lifestyle, law, manufacturing, media and marketing, natural resources, retail, and more. It also offers multimedia content like videos and podcasts, interactive content like puzzles, and columns by various authors. The website also has specific sections for C-suite professionals and a market section that covers bonds, commercial real estate, commodities and futures, stocks, personal finance, and more. The opinion section features various columnists and the books and arts section includes reviews of films, television, theater, music, dance, opera, exhibitions, art, and architecture. The website also provides links to popular articles, videos, and podcasts, and different language editions of the Wall Street Journal. 2. Apple announces multi-billion deal with Broadcom to make components in the USA from MacRumors.com. The first article from MacRumors announces a multi-billion dollar deal between Apple and Broadcom, an American technology company. The deal involves Broadcom manufacturing key components for Apple's devices in the US, possibly related to 5G technology. The agreement supports over 1,100 jobs at Broadcom's Fort Collins Bar Filter Manufacturing Facility and is part of Apple's commitment to invest $430 billion in the U.S. economy over five years. The second article reports on Apple's release of updated Rapid Security Response, RSR, fixes for iOS and macOS users, addressing an actively exploited WebKit. It also mentions the upcoming release of iOS 17 and the second-generation Apple Watch Ultra, which will feature 3D-printed mechanical parts. 
The final text appears to be a collection of links and references from a webpage on MacRumors.com, primarily related to gaming and Apple products. It includes reviews and updates on various games, YouTube videos related to Apple rumors, and links to various website settings and features. Part 10. Fun. 1. Rooms.xyz from Rooms.xyz. Rooms.xyz is a web-based platform that allows users to create and remix interactive rooms directly from their browser. The platform offers a variety of features, including the ability to choose from hundreds of items to add to your room, build anything you want or remix others' creations, view and modify the source code of any item, and share your room link for playback on desktop and iOS, coming soon. The platform is designed to be user-friendly, with a simple interface that encourages creativity and exploration. Users can start by choosing from a wide array of items to add to their room, ranging from furniture to artwork. Once they've selected their items, they can then build and customize their room however they see fit. This could involve arranging items in a certain way, changing their color or size, or even modifying their functionality by tweaking the source code. One of the unique features of Rooms.xyz is its emphasis on remixing. Users are not only allowed but actively encouraged to remix others' creations. This means they can take an existing room, view its source code, and modify it to create something new and unique. This feature fosters a sense of community and collaboration, as users can learn from each other and build upon each other's work. Finally, once users are satisfied with their creation, they can share their room link with others. This allows others to view and interact with their room, providing a unique way for users to showcase their creativity and technical skills. In essence, Rooms.xyz is a platform that combines creativity, coding, and community. It provides a unique space for users to express themselves, learn new skills, and connect with others. Whether you're a seasoned coder or a complete beginner, Rooms.xyz offers a fun and engaging way to explore the world of coding and design. 2. World of Goo Remastered from Play.Google.com The article provides a comprehensive review of the game World of Goo Remastered available on Google Play. Developed by Netflix Incorporated, the physics-based puzzle game involves players using goo balls to construct various structures. The game has been lauded for its creative level design and has won several awards, including Game of the Year by Touch Arcade and Metacritic. The Netflix edition offers high-resolution art and modern screen size support, with each Netflix profile tracking progress separately. Despite requiring a Netflix account to play, the game has been downloaded over 100k times and has a 2.4 star rating. The game has received mixed reviews, with some users praising its gameplay and others criticizing its controls. The article also includes a user review that describes the game as an amazing idea but feels like a beta version due to unpredictable controls and objects. The reviewer rates the game 4 stars and encourages the developers to improve the mentioned issues. 3. Fish Folk, Open Source Bevy Game from GitHub.com The article discusses a game called Fish Folk, Jumpy, a tactical 2D shooter game developed using Russ Lang and Bevy. The game, which is hosted on a GitHub repository managed by Fish Folk, has received significant attention with 1.4k stars and 106 forks. The repository allows users to interact with the code in various ways, including viewing the code, reporting issues, and making pull requests. The game is currently live on Kickstarter and is under reconstruction to use the Bevy game engine. The Fish Folk community encourages contributions and has a code of conduct for all members. The game can be downloaded and played from the releases page, and a cross-platform launcher is also available. The game has had 172 releases, the latest of which was on May 4, 2023, and has had 43 contributors. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to HackerCast.